Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This week, we've got a very interesting guest, Vamsi Tala, who's the CEO and co-founder of Jiva. Jiva is a fascinating startup. They came out of University of Washington, and they have pioneered the commercialization of a technology called Backscatter. So we'll explain what Backscatter is, but it basically allows you to eliminate or certainly reduce the use of batteries in radio communication. Uh, it's technology at the heart of RFID, uh, and uh, Jiva has been using it for all sorts of really interesting things. Uh, some people might look at Jiva and see them as a competitor to Williot, but uh, even though my day job is at Williot, we've always prided ourselves in, in covering uh, alternatives to uh, what we do on the show. The show predates uh, Williot as a company, and we've had uh, all sorts of different technologies on there. Our goal is to try and uh, get smarter and uh, spread the information around about ambient IoT. So uh, ambient IoT is uh, the thing that I think uh, will solve many very, very large problems. And if we're going to do it, we need to be smart about what the different tools are in the kit bag. So have a listen to my conversation with uh, Vamsi, and uh, I, I think you'll learn some interesting stuff about what backscatter can be used for and what it uh, can't be used for in this ambient IoT arena. The Mr. Beacon Ambient IoT podcast is sponsored by Williot, bringing intelligence to every single thing. Vamsi, welcome to the Mr. Beacon Ambient IoT podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Like, likewise, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, um, uh, as we were discussing, this uh, podcast has been going for uh, more than five years now, uh, over 160 episodes, and we pride ourselves on having you know, a diverse set of technologies. It's not just about Bluetooth. We have uh, competing auto ID technologies. And I think I have been fascinated by what the University of Washington has been doing with, um, with Bluetooth uh, technology and with, a, with a, a technology called backscatter or a technique, I should say, called backscatter. And University of Washington has created volumes of intellectual property. I know that your company, Jiva Wireless, uh, has got uh, a, an amazing catalog of patents. And um, I, I feel a little bit conflicted because, uh, you know, Williot looked at uh, Backscatter in the early days 
and we decided to use a different technique. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting to the bottom of what is Backscatter, how it works, how it's applied, what are the problems that it solves from talking to you. Um, and hopefully we'll all end up a little bit smarter as a result of the conversation. So um, maybe I should hand the baton over to you. Can you just uh, uh, give us the elevator pitch for, for Jiva? What, what does Jiva do? Yep. Thanks, Steve. So Jiva is basically trying to reinvent the way people think and implement about wireless communication, wireless connectivity. So in a nutshell, Jiva is commercializing a technique that you mentioned Backscatter, and, and the basic idea is how can we build ultra low power wireless connectivity solution? And that Jiva does that by using a technique called Backscatter where instead of generating our own radio signal, RF signal, that's what all radios do, we instead reflect existing signals to create data packets. So the way I like to sort of explain in a, at a very high level is rather than using your own flashlight to generate light, what if I use a mirror to just re reflect an existing signal, and that way we can actually communicate at orders of magnitude lower power. So we're talking about implementing Bluetooth and Wi-Fi at 100 to 1,000 times less power. An added benefit of that is not only is the power lower, but the solution would be smaller because the silicon required to implement backscatter is very small. So think of RFID tags. That's what backscatter does for you. You can have these tags costing a few cents, you can use them, you can throw them, you can reuse them, but they're going to so be so cheap. And the fact that they're small, uh, you can put them everywhere. So we bring that same benefits, but to Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, Zigbee, all the other protocols that people have built. So our idea is to use Backscatter, but stand, off, stand on top of existing wireless protocols to basically build the next wave of um, ambient IoT computing, as you put it. Very good. Well, thanks for that. And we'll drill into that in a little bit more detail. But uh, you pointed out uh, backscatters used in RFID at the moment. It's kind of uh, a reflection, a remodulation of a stronger signal um, that you then uh, reflect back. And I think the University of Washington has done some, and, and maybe we should explain, what is your relationship with the University of Washington? Then we can get into some of the applications and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So I basically was a PhD student uh, when I joined University of Washington in Seattle in 2010. Uh, so I, 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 I joined uh, to study electrical engineering and I, and I joined Josh Smith, who was my PhD advisor. And then I also worked with Sham Golokota. Both of them are also co-founders of Jiva with two other grad students, Aaron Parks and Bryce uh, Kellogg. So we have been five of us have been working in this space starting, I would say, 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. um, so University of Washington has a lot of expertise, as you mentioned, in backscattered technology. And, and the lineage belongs to my advisor, Josh Smith. He used to work at Intel Labs back in the day, and then he came to U UW at, in 2010. And to sort of give a little bit of history of where uh, Jiva came about, I think the sort of the genesis is this technique called ambient backscatter. So back in 2012, when we were all sort of early on in this field and everybody thought of, oh, backscatter means RFID. So we were like, can we do more than that? Mm -hmm. so, so this was sort of a light bulb moment for us, which is back in the day, Josh showed that you can actually take TV signals and harvest small amount of powers, power from 
TV towers within a kilometer or within like two or three kilometers, five kilometers, depending on how strong it is, you can actually harvest that power, charge a small capacitor, and then you can do some interesting things with it. Like e-ink, you can probably transmit a packet maybe once every few minutes, once every 10 minutes or so, depending on how much energy you have. But then we're like, wait a second, it's interesting, but it's very hard to do anything with it because mm-hmm. it takes so long to send a packet of data. We're like, if we have these ambient signals, we are harvesting them. Can we reflect them and do communication between battery-free devices? So that was sort of our sort of insight, which sort of started this whole field. And then in 2012, 2013, we actually published a seminal paper on ambient backscatter in SICOM, where we basically showed that, yes, if you have two battery-free tags, those two tags can harvest ambient TV signals. But more importantly, they can actually use a small transistor, reflect that ambient signal, and do communication between two battery-free tags. So now you can, so our application was, if you're in a library, you you can put these tags. You don't have to put expensive RFID readers. If you have ambient signals, you don't need to coordinate anything. You, you don't need an internet backhaul. You can create your own sort of uh, mesh network of devices which can talk to each other in a very free, ubiquitous way. So that was mm-hmm. sort of the sort of uh, the genesis of this idea of backscatter. And then you were like, if we can do with TV, with TV, then we extended that to Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, Zigbee, LoRa, all the other protocols we can think of and sort of have this platform of technologies that can be used for a variety of applications. And did you do something with cellular? I, I have this vague recollection of someone, an article about using backscatter for cellular communications, for mobile phones. Yeah, so we also we have also done FM and cellular as well. So we actually use cellular for some interesting application. Like obviously we were able to harvest, but then we also tried reflecting cellular signals. We also, back in the day, I also did a very interesting project where basically you can use hand motions to change how signals are reflected from the body and use Mm -hmm. that as a way to gesture with the phone. So -hmm. if you have a phone and if you want to just interact with your phone, like snap your fingers or like do kind of hand gestures, and because your cellular phone is basically uh, recording, sort of monitoring ambient signals, then if you move your hand, it changes the signature of the signals, and then you can actually interact with them as well. So, so we have done a host of things with cellular s- signals as well, both harvesting and interacting with them or communicating and backscattering cellular signals as well. But as you would get into, I'm assuming, a bit later, but cellular signals are tricky to work with because they're sporadic. Absolutely. Uh, and- a lot of frequency hopping and uh, they, they also, the signal strength tends to fluctuate because those cellular engineers are super smart and they only broadcast a signal as strong as they need to. And so it's, it's, it's very challenging. Very challenging. Yes. Yeah. Cellular networks are very sophisticated. They have to be because that's how we all can have like thousands of cell phones in one cell. And they they do very precise power control, very precise timing. And that is unpredictable if you're not part of the network. And that was a challenge. And that's why we moved away from cellular to more popular standards like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, where they are more free to control. So how sophisticated can the devices be? And and I'm gravitating in my mind to the, 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 the beacon, the auto ID device, but obviously you can use this for other things. And I do want to 
get back to what are the applications? I don't want to assume that everything's a beacon just because yeah. this is the Mr. Beacon podcast. But um, how, uh, so clearly you can remodulate, remodulate a signal, you can bounce it back uh, and encode different data in it. But how much, uh, what sort of ability, if you're using backscatter, do you have to do more complex logic at the other end of it? It seems like if it's in the moment, then you've just got kind of this mirror and you're like flipping it this way and that. What about things like encryption and sensing and that sort of thing? Is that possible when you're using backscatter? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way, maybe I'll take us one step back. So if you look at any IoT device, you have few different things that every device needs to do. So we, we talked a lot about communication. That's one piece of it. You will also have some computation and you were talking about encryption, which is sort of sensing and computation, sorry, uh, computation and, and communication. Then you also mm -hmm. have sensing piece of it and then power delivery piece of it. So mm -hmm. the way to think about backscatter is how can you replace the radio with something else? So if you, so we, we can talk about concrete examples, but the it's the way we look at it is it's a jigsaw puzzle and all pieces have to fit together. And if you have a jigsaw puzzle where radio has a big piece in it, in terms of say power, then can we replace that jigsaw piece and okay. put a put a backscatter in it? And then the whole jigsaw or the pie becomes smaller and more efficient. Okay. So the other pieces of the jigsaw, if one piece, a central piece of the jigsaw is the communications bit then maybe you can use other complementary techniques for the other pieces of the jigsaw. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing that those could use a battery or they could use energy harvesting where you're charging up a capacitor and maybe you do the computation over time or the sensing over time using, uh, using that. So do you have one of your uh, devices here? Yes. So I'm Let's see if, if we can show it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see it. So print circuit board. Yeah. Yeah. So here, what you see here is just a standard ST microelectronics MCU. It's a Bluetooth SOC. And then this is the piece that is new with our technology over here is just one switch. Okay. So, so this is an example of a device which has a Bluetooth SOC. It also has, um, basically here you will see a gyro, like an ST six axis IMU, which has an accelerometer and gyroscope. So okay. we are building like this new sort of interactive device, which basically is tracking the the orientation and the acceleration of of uh, basically an input device. And okay. the standard way is you use the Bluetooth radio, get date, data, establish a Bluetooth co connection, and then you transmit that data o over an antenna. So what we are basically doing is, okay, you are doing all those pieces, but your radio is typically when it's transmitting a packet, it's going to con... con consume on this board about 12 to 15 milliwatts of power, like peak power when it's actively transmitting. Yeah. And that's- So a lot of people will be listening to this. Uh, some people will watch it on YouTube. Some people will be listening on iTunes or Spotify. So for the, the listeners, then this is, looks like it's about like one centimeter by maybe four or five centimeters. Yeah. Uh, and it's a printed circuit board and it's got the normal chip. So this is not sort of in, in the world of Williot, then we just have- stickers, but this is something that has got um, uh, more chips on it. We just have a single chip. You have many, many chips there. Um, and things like gyroscopes, which we don't do because, uh, you know, that any um, uh, chip like that is more, you know, consumes more power. So how do you power all these other chips that are uh, uh, 
Okay, so you have a, a, a little uh, battery here that, uh, uh, that that is used to power. You just flipped it over and I see the battery now for powering the, the sensors that do the gyroscope. But I'm assuming, so the, the benefit of backscatter in this context is just much longer battery life because I'm not having to power wireless communications. I'm just having to power the, uh, the sensing and the computation piece. Is that the general gist of it? Absolutely. So this has a CR1220. So if you don't use a radio and if you're transmitting at say 120 hertz or so, which is the rate that you, you would need to basically build an application, this bat battery may only last a few hours. But if you okay. use backscatter, and this is sort of, and I'll get a bit into the techniques of how we do it, but this is something we call an SOC retrofit solution. So as you pointed out, Williard has custom silicon, and we have built silicon for different implementation of backscatter. But for Bluetooth, we are going with a solution where our customers can just add, like I showed here, one switch mm -hmm. and a firmware module running on the existing SOC that they already have. So this, okay. this basically eases their deployment because they don't have to build a new silicon into their product. They just have to license the firmware, one transistor, and then they can build their application, extend the battery life by three to five to 10x, depending on how they are implementing it. Okay, so, that makes sense. So what are the applications that you've decided to focus Backscatter on? Where, uh, where are the sweet spots for you? Because you kind of described uh, my, the, the venture capitalist in me was like suddenly the matrix of different things you could do is like huge. Uh, yes. So what did you decide to focus on? Yeah, so I think that is one of the challenges of a startup and entrepreneur, and especially if you're trying to build a platform. So this is sort of, a, I think it's, it's, it's called the devil's curse in a way that we can do so many things, but at the same nice. time, you have to really focus. So the way I tend to look at, or we think, tend to look at Backscatter is, our focus right now is high data rate streaming. So we are really fo focused in uh, electronic portable wearable space, uh, and trying to focus more on controllers. So if you have game con controllers, AR, VR con controller input devices like stylus, Apple Pencil, there are so many of these devices that use Bluetooth nowadays, but their battery life is somewhere between eight to 12 hours, or maybe in some cases 24 hours, but it's mainly because the radio drains the battery. So we are focused on those applications to basically allow our customers to add this one transistor and basically upgrade their existing Bluetooth solution with a technique we call BT+. So it's like we are adding Backscatter to an existing Bluetooth platform and giving this capability of using Backscatter. And, and that's also really beneficial for our customers because if they choose, they can still use a traditional radio because this ST chip still has a Bluetooth radio. They can still talk regular Bluetooth, but if they wish to choose and if they have the right application, they can turn off a, a switch and use our library and then stream data at using Backscatter. So they get the best of both worlds. And though those high data rate application for streaming audio or basically streaming accelerometer gyroscope information at 60, 120, 180 hertz, that's where the radio consumes a lot of power because you really cannot duty cycle the radio. If you turn the radio off, it doesn't matter. But if you have to always turn it on, then you can bring that power really low with backscatter. That's great. Um, so game game controllers, stylus, keyboards, is that? Uh, yep, I think wonderful. keyboards and mice and other input devices are also 
definitely doable with backscatter. And and what about remote controls for TVs? Uh, again, I I think you're 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 talking exactly the kind of application that you're looking at is basically all these controllers, TV remote con- con- controllers as well, which can all benefit from lower power. And then okay. our our sort of vision is like doing it in this way, which where we add an existing switch and we don't have our own silicon, doesn't give us the hundred or thousand X that we can do if we have our own silicon, but that's sort of where we want to go to, but everybody okay. has to iterate and get there. Right, so right. So that's where we kind of went separate paths, uh, you know, similar set of uh, expertise and uh, interest and so forth. And we went, to, we're going to design our own chip and we're going to go completely battery free and we want the sticker format. And you've found some, I think very compelling applications where you could uh, use other people's silicon. You've developed other silicon, so it's not like you don't know how to do it, but it's expensive to do that, yep. right? So, uh, um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And um so where are you at as a company? You've been I think going longer than Williot. So uh, how, how many years have, uh, has uh, your, your, has Jiva been going for? So we have been around for all six years now. So we spun okay. out from university in 2016, summer of 2016. So it's been around six, six and a half years. And um, uh, um, so is it, uh, uh, what size company is it uh, today? So right Right now, we are actually pretty small. So now we are a six-member team. Um, so uh-huh. we grew quite quite a bit uh, last year and early this year. But then we, uh-huh. like all startups, we are facing some headwinds. So we have to sort of downsize a bit early this year. So right now, we are six employees. The core team. And, and what are you seeing in terms of um, – so you've been going for six years. I'm sure you've had a number of customers in that time. What, what are the ones where you've – got the most what do you look back on with the with the most pride and uh, as 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 the things that you know are, are setting the direction for the company uh, what to, what would you look back on i would say our maybe, first, maybe you don't need to name names but uh, the kind yeah, of projects yeah, yeah definitely uh i would say our first chip that we built uh back in well we started the process in 2019 and then we all know what happened in 2020 uh, yes, so, yes. so, so we had some setbacks and challenges, but we got our chips back at the end of uh, 2020, and then we ra- launched our first uh, commercial product. Um, so, our first chip is called Parser, 
which implements backscatter using Zigbee and LoRa at 900 megahertz. And that was focused on supply chain automation. And I'm really proud of the fact that we basically got to a product with first first rev of the silicon, which is really, really unheard of. So I'm mm-hmm. really proud of the team and the kind of dedication we have to show, especially in the challenging times of remote work with hardware, which no pun intended, but was really, really hard. Distributed yes. work. Um, plus, we had some sub- supply chain issues as everybody else has faced uh, yes. during that phase. But our first silicon, it has bugs like any silicon, but mm-hmm. it's actually good enough to basically get uh, to a product where we, we can actually transmit data while consuming a quarter of a milliwatt. So we are transmitting data packets at 250 microwatts, which I believe is the lowest power consumption of any commercial wireless connectivity so, so, solution that you can buy. Very good. Um, and so um, what uh, uh, it would be interesting to know, you know, what was the, the foundation story? What, um, what was it that kind of tipped you over from, you're doing your PhD, you have the academic life, uh, what, what happened to make you decide to cut those ties and uh, not go into teaching or, <laughs> or whatever and, uh, and do what you're doing? So I think I've been a bit lucky in that sense that the opportunity presented itself because when I, I was doing my bachelor's back in India, I've always sort of had this dream of sort of, obviously I was always interested in technology and doing research, but my sort of uh, North Star was if I can de- develop a technology and commercialize it, that would be the ideal career that I would like to have. And mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to work with so, so many great people, including Josh, Sham, Bryce, and Aaron, that we de- developed this really, really amazing technology. Uh, we won a lot of best paper awards and stuff. But more importantly, we used to get, um, basically, we, we used to be contacted by all the companies saying, hey, this is really exciting. We have applications for it. Can we buy it? Or do you have any plans of commercializing it? And and when so many people, people actually tell you that there is a market need, then it, it, it was really obvious for us to say that, yep, there is something here and let's give it a shot. And like I said, it's just something that I've always wanted to do. And when that opportunity presents itself, I didn't even think, think about it for a second. That was something I've always w- wanted to do. And I'm really happy that I chose that path. And you've, I think, uh, benefited a lot from the excitement around this uh, this uh, technology and looking at your site, you got coverage from CNN and uh, The Economist. How did you get The Economist to uh, to write about you? What was the trigger for that? I think uh, I would say it's, first of all, I think uh, Economist covered our passive Wi-Fi te- technology where, where we showed that we can basically transmit Wi-Fi packets about 10,000 times less p- power. So mm-hmm. I think there are two reasons for it. Number one, we built a very compelling pro- uh, sort of technology because everybody ev- everybody who's lis- listening to the po- po- podcast has had that experience when you have your phone and it's running low on battery and it's mainly because your cellular or Wi-Fi is connected and it's sort of draining power. So that has been a problem everybody has faced. So yes. I think that really struck a chord with the folks at Economist saying, hey, that's a problem we all face. And these 
these scientists have solved solved it. So let's let's go and talk to them. And I think, in addition to that, University of Washington is a great institution. We have a great track record, and they also do a really good job of sort of giving us the tools of how to present the story to the outside world because our our basically research is funded not only by the university but by the National Science Foundation. So it is our duty as scientists to let the 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 people know what we are doing with the tax dollars as well. And being a public university, we have an obligation to sort of uh, educate the world about what's coming down the line. So I would say a combination of doing exciting research and the fact that University of Washington has a really good infrastructure in place to get the word out were the reasons that we could get uh, coverage from CNN and Economist and BBC and other folks. That is interesting. Yeah, my recollection of uh, college, which is very fond, was we got a presentation skills training course and that was it. So it sounds like there's something more at uh, University of Washington. What what did they do to help you get do PR? So they have a whole, they have a department who are, so I remember this person, Jennifer, uh, mm-hmm. who is a pro at it. Like, I mean, she knows how to write the stories. They also gave us, like they had dedicated ph- photographers and uh, people who would come and shoot the demo video with us. They would do all the editing and they would create professional looking like videos that we will upload to YouTube. And then obviously we would get contacted by uh, reporters and we'll talk to them and they would help us sort of, uh, they would train us basically because if we if I give the same presentation that I give 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 to my fellow colleagues in at a conference, that's not going to fly with a reporter. So I think those training, and it is a skill set that I immensely respect. The skill set that you need to have, and and it took a while for us to understand how to say the right things. More importantly, like try to m- make sure that what we are saying uh, is being presented in the way that folks can understand. So I think a factor, all those factors are contributed to basically uh, us getting the coverage that we got. Very good. Well, uh, Vamsi, I, I, I've enjoyed this. Uh, is there anything that um, I should have asked you? I, I feel like this has been quite a quick uh, conversation, but it's really helped me. I, I, I just saw University of Washington uh, as being these uh, incredible experts in the in the in the field and uh, so it's been it's fun for me to talk to you but anything else that you, you want to make sure that we cover whilst we're on uh, online i think the one thing that i would like to sort of point out that this is like trying to build a new technology especially one that is so dramatically different than how people think about radios has been a challenge and a learning experience and uh what I really want to stress upon is that this is sort of the beginning of the journey for the technology and for us as well. And if you look back in history, like the way I like to uh, think about is Wi-Fi. Like nowadays, nobody has to do anything. Wi-Fi works seamlessly everywhere. But you, you would remember back in the late 90s when if you had to buy a r- router, it would take hours to set it up and it would sporadically work. And there's a lot of people who have worked day and night to get the technology to where we are. And the way I look at Backscatter is that it's interesting, uh, uh, but it is a technology which needs more work. 
and we are on that path and i truly believe that i i don't know maybe few years down the line five or 10 years i don't necessarily know because nobody can predict the future but i have the conviction that backscatter would become mainstream uh, mm-hmm. it has its own set of ch- challenges and being sort of a scientist uh, and who really believes in the laws of physics i would like to point out that there are trade off with backscatter so it gives you that immense low power consumption but on but the trade off is that the range is less so mm-hmm. you do trade off range for power consumption and that's sort of the the sort of the loss of physics have to agree to because there is no free lunch so i do want to yes pro- exactly no i i think that's really um um commendable to to focus on where the kind of the development areas are and and um uh, you know i remember when we were looking at it the idea our idea was this sort of a bucket and you can fill it up and so potentially the signal that you broadcast theoretically can be stronger than the signal that you're harvesting from whereas when you're doing backscatter you're kind of reflecting back and the the signal will never be because it can never be 100% efficient it's always going to be slightly uh, weaker or weaker than the uh, signal that you that you get but um but actually hold that thought because i think one of the innovation that we did uh, uh, recently is mm-hmm. basically we have this technique called a reflection amplifier so what yes. that allows you to do is you ah. can actually reflect more power than you get in and ah. and the, the thing is so if you want to go into specific so like if if you're getting a very low amount of power let's say minus 30 dbm and that's basically 1 nanowatt that's mm-hmm. very very low amount of power so what we have shown is that you can get a 1 nanowatt out and re- reflect 10 nanowatts so that's about mm-hmm. 10 db or like 10 times more power but because you're amplifying 1 nanowatt to 10 nanowatt the amount of energy that re- requires you to do is probably like 100 microwatts whereas if you have to transmit that amount of power you're limited by your i'm i'm going to a bit more technical details here but it's like the local oscillator would limit it even if you transmit 0 dbm or minus 20 or minus 30 there is a minimum amount of milliwatts of power you need to generate 2.4 gigahertz but if you're only reflecting a nanowatt to 10 nanowatt you only need 100 microwatt or so of power so that's what i was trying to get to is that as we okay. develop these techniques we can basically get closer and closer to what a radio can do with the techniques like reflection amplifiers to incrementally increase the range so as an example the board that i showed you um, if you use the passive then our bluetooth range is i would say about 3 meters from a base station but with mm-hmm. the reflection amplifier now we can approximately double it to about 5 to 6 meters so so doing these techniques and building on top of what folks have done would allow us to really get get to a point which i truly believe in in the near near future that backscatter would get pretty close to radios or alternatively there'll be a host of application where you can actually be seeing radios being replaced by backscatter and get to a point where either the devices have significantly longer battery life or we can basically achieve this vision of battery free iot with mm-hmm. a combination of all these techniques because like you point pointed out at the conference like we are uh, racing towards a climate catastrophe and one company one technology won't be able to cut it so we need this host of uh, solutions to help us get to that point and i truly believe backscatter would be or should be part 
part of that arsenal. And and in the case of that uh, reflective amplifier, then the supplementary power is coming from the battery uh, or the supercapacitor or whatever yeah. it is that. Uh, so you still you haven't eliminated the battery, but you're just using the battery more efficiently. Uh, exactly. Is that the basically the uh, the benefit? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely believe there's different tools for different jobs. Um, and in a world of ambient IoT, which actually this is the first or second week where we've used ambient IoT in the name of the podcast. Um, it's, it's, we've always talked about digital to physical convergence, but I think ambient IoT is actually a better description because uh, it encompasses this world where the digital and physical are coming together. But it also implies a, a level of efficiency and cost reduction, uh, which um, uh, and it's just a cooler name. <laughs> so we're we're using that, and we're using it because three uh, uh, GPP is uh, is using ambient IoT as uh, as as the basis of some of the new standards that will be rolling out um, in in devices that will. Uh, uh, become part of the telephony standards that uh, that make up 5G and and, and 6G, and I, and so I think it's certainly not just going to be a world of Williot in that space. In fact, it can't be. We need different solutions with uh, that are competing head on, and different solutions that are uh, are complementary. Which is sounds sounds like uh, this uh, what you're working on uh, on is, but but it's all within this bigger category of ambient IoT. Uh, putting uh, smart devices that commu- can communicate into places where it was never feasible before because yep. of uh, cost and size. And so I feel like we're all part of a broader category, a broader community trying to uh, solve some really big problems with uh, this uh, uh, groundbreaking technology. So Vamsi, um, I'm keen to hear what uh, music you've selected uh, to talk about on the show. What were your your three songs? Or what was your fir- the first of your three songs? So first of the first song is basically it's a Hindi song. So I uh-huh. grew up in India. So it's called Yari Dosti, which trans by KK. So it translates into friendship. Um, oh. So 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 that's one of my all time favorite songs. Uh, so I would. And I grew up listening that for a long time, like especially in my teenage years. And where would you hear that song uh, when when you were a teenager? Was it on the radio, or would people play it? Or so it's radio and TV as well. Back back in my teenage years, MTV and Channel V. I don't know if you remember, but those were pretty popular. So uh-huh. I used to definitely listen to them. And I also used to have the cassette. Uh, back in the day when we used to have Walkman, the Sony Walkman. <laughs> I remember it well. I was just thinking about those the other day. What, what a beautiful thing they were. I, they're so amazing. Couldn't believe that they could fit music into something that small. And now it's and, uh, like gone to the yeah. next level. Well, that's, for, that's I, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, when I think back, I used to have a Walkman and then I uh, upgraded to the Discman when you had to have CDs and we used to burn right. CDs. And then I got my first iPod, I think it was in 2009 or eight or nine. And that was a treat uh, to have that tiny thing and hold like thousands of songs. Phenomenal. So you had the one with the wheel, which you used your thumb to go around? No, the first, yes, the the wheel. I had the iPod Nano. Nano. Oh, the Nano. Yeah. Yeah, I had the Nano. 
Those, those were incredible as well. Um, in fact, I think my father-in-law just gave up his nano. Uh, I mean, because uh, it was just the perfect uh, form factor for him. Okay, so that's song number one. What about song number two? So my song number two is uh, is the reason by Hubastank. Uh, okay, that came out in two thousand three when I was still in high school, and and that's a song about sort of having self doubts. So mm-hmm. I kind of relate to that song because, like, as teenagers, especially in high school, you are sort of grappling with so many things and that song really related to me and actually I don't remember the lyrics anymore but there was a time when I remembered those like I could sing the whole song and I think that's one of the ones that I really really I still listen to reason once in a while and I'm not familiar with the artist uh, I don't think Uh, it's it's it's, yeah the band is called Hubas Tank Uh, they're they're basically a rock band Uh, uh I think they're American, if I'm not wrong. Okay, yeah. very good. All right, and what's number three? Number three, I would say, is a bit of a cliche. Uh, it's Stairway to Heaven. It's oh. one of the all-time greatest yeah. songs. And one and the reason I really uh, remember it fondly is that used to be our go-to song back in college. So during my undergrad days back in India, like everybody would play it. I actually have a friend who would not leave like every day he would only exit his dorm room after listening to Sarah to Heaven, the full acoustic version for like 13, 14 minutes. And un- unless the song, like we were like, dude, we are getting late or like we are, we are going to miss the class. Nope. That has to be the way he starts his day. So, so that's, um, I have so many fond memories. Well, it's a wonderful piece of music and yeah. uh, that's, um, that's cool. And, and you were talking about Hindi um, uh, uh, music uh, at the beginning there. And it just, uh, I, I don't know what your opinion is of our new prime minister in England, um, uh, but uh, we we have someone who's uh, um, our first uh, non-Caucasian, uh, a Hindu uh, um, uh, uh, person as, as uh, prime minister. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's like our... Uh, Barack Obama moment. Uh, I, I'm not sure I agree with him not going to COP27, uh, yeah. but, uh, but uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of excited by that. I don't know uh, what your opinion is on it, but uh, I on, I haven't had the time to follow British politics. To be honest, I follow American and then Indian politics, and there's so much going on. That's more but than I, enough. Yeah, that that's more than enough. But I'm sort of excited by uh, by sort of looking at his. I think again. I think the bar wasn't that high with list trust. So I think yes. <laughs> so I think it's all relative after Boris Johnson and list trust. I think this is definitely an improvement. I'm I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic. So I yeah, so let's hope for the best for for the UK and the world. Ab- absolutely. Whether you're uh, on the left or the right, uh we all have a vested interest in Richie Sunak uh uh, digging England or the UK, United Kingdom out of some of the challenges that it has. So, well, very good. Amsi, thanks very much for your time. I've really enjoyed it. I feel like I got a bit smarter as a result of listening to you. So uh, uh, the osmosis is is working. Uh, th- thanks very much. Likewise, it, it, it was great talking to you as well, Steve. All the best. Yeah, thank, thanks a lot. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was the conversation with uh, with Vamsi. I 
really enjoyed it. feel like uh, I learned a lot. Hopefully you did too. Uh, appreciate your staying with us to the end. And uh, as you're clearly hardcore uh, listener to, uh, to this show, or at least this episode, please do um, spread the word. Uh, let your friends know, uh, share on social media and uh, like us on whatever platform you're using. Uh, and until next time, stay safe. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.